if you're new here today, my name is Fred. Uh, I am the lead pastor here, and this Sunday is a little different than other Sundays. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews, where we're seeing how Jesus is greater than. Uh, but today, we're going to do what's called Vision Sunday. We try and take a Sunday every year uh, where we talk about where we, where we believe and where we discern God is leading us as a church. And so that Sunday is this Sunday. We're going to talk about what we feel like, uh, what we're discerning uh, God is leading us as a church. And before I jump into that, I want to throw a question out to you that I want you to just think about. Um, The question is this, what is the church's most valuable resource? What is the church's most valuable resource? All right, now you may have some different things that come to your mind. One of them might be God or Jesus, a good Sunday school answer. If you don't know, uh, say Jesus and chances are you're right. Um, This case in particular is not the answer that I'm looking for. Uh, I believe God is our greatest resource, um, but you can actually have a great relationship with God. And if you don't have this valuable resource, um, it's going to go nowhere as a church. Um, How many of you thought money is our most valuable resource? Well, D.L. Moody said, do you know how much ministry you can do for a dollar? A dollar's worth. So money is important to a church, and, and, and we're going to talk about money here in a little bit, but, but that's not our most valuable resource, because I've seen churches that have lots of money in the bank and are doing absolutely nothing. So that's not our most valuable resource. How many of you thought people is our most valuable resource? Oh, I love to see the hands go up. Y'all are right. See, you are Fellowship Asheville's most most valuable resource. The people are the church's most valuable resource. As a matter of fact, when you look at the Greek, the word for church means people gathered together. It's inherent in our definition of church that that the people are the most valuable resource that a church has. You are are our most valuable resource. As a matter of fact, Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 10 He's gathered his disciples together. He's been with them for a while. They've done ministry together. They've seen him do ministry, and now it's their turn. And he's divided them up into into partners, Uh, so so it's somebody and a buddy, and they're about to go out, and he's labeled the cities that they're going to go to because he's going to come after them and do ministry after they spend some time there. Uh, But the disciples are obviously a little fearful about doing this. They've always followed Jesus. They've always had Jesus with them as they've done this, And, 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 and now he's sending them out two by two, to go to these different cities. And he gives them this final bit of encouragement. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest that he'll raise up workers. But the key there is that the harvest is plentiful. This most valuable resource, people, is plentiful. There's always people. There's always more people. And Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, that part won't run out. What runs out is the people that are willing to reach those people. Pray for them as they go. See, you are our most valuable resource. People are a church's most valuable resource. And what Jesus says is that they are abundant and they are plentiful. But the question is, what do we do with you? What do we do with people that God brings to fellowship? And God brings people to fellowship in all different kinds of ways. Some people showed up because they saw the sign when they were turning down the street to go to Target. 
And they said, oh, I want to check that out. Some people showed up because uh, they see cars parked at the elementary school on Sunday morning and they're wondering why there are cars parked there going to the church here. Some people show up because you are their friends and you invited them. Some people show up because they see our website and they, they, they listen to messages and, and, and they read what's on our website. and They go to Facebook and see what we're about and they want to be a part of that. People show up here for all different kinds of reasons because the harvest is plentiful. But the question is, what do we do with those people who show up? Well, Jesus also spoke to that. He also spoke to his disciples about what to do when that harvest comes in to the church, when that harvest becomes Jesus' followers. And and his words are what he said to them right before he ascended into heaven. And so these were the last words that Jesus had for his disciples. And, and, and somebody who's much smarter than I am said last words are lasting words. And, and whenever you see somebody's last words, you, you kind of pay attention to those. And, and as Jesus was about to send into heaven, he told his disciples this. He said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. So Jesus says, listen, guys. You've seen a whole lot of stuff go down. You've seen people healed. You've seen people come to me as Savior. And now all that authority has been given to me. I'm in control, all right? And he says, since I'm in control and since I have all authority, what do you do in response to that? And he told his disciples this. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm going to send you out, and and part of your job is to find people who don't know the name Jesus, and tell them about who I am, and tell them about what I've done, and tell them how my death and resurrection has provided a way for them to have a good and personal relationship with the God that loves them. Tell them that, and then not only do you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he said, but then you also teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So, so this part of this command, this great commission is what it's called discipleship, isn't just evangelism. It isn't just telling people who Jesus is and what he's done for them. It's also deepening their faith and teaching them everything that Jesus commanded them to do. And then what I love is Jesus then gives this, this very sweet promise at the very end. Because the great commission doesn't stop there. Our, our faith isn't just a go and do faith, but, but Jesus gives them this promise and he goes, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. He says, listen, as you go to make disciples, know that you're not going alone. I will go before you. I will go with you. I will come after you. I am with you every step of the way. And so this great commission is the commission for every church. And it's our mission statement. We, our mission statement is this. We exist to make disciple-making disciples. And the reason we have that kind of play on word of disciple-making disciples, we don't want to just make disciples and, and, and bring people to, their, to, 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 to introduce people to Jesus. That's not our end goal. We want to do that. That's part of it. We don't want to just make disciples and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. But part of what Jesus said in teaching, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you is to go make disciples, right? That's part of what you do. And so it's this circle of, of we want disciples that make more disciples. And the reason this is the mission not just of our church but of any church is because it works. Here's what you can do. 
If you had the ability, you could track your spiritual lineage. The person who introduced you to Jesus, the person that introduced them to Jesus, the person that introduced them to Jesus, and so on and so on and so on. You could trace that all the way back to that original group of people that heard Jesus declare this commission for the first time, go and make disciples. Because they did. They went and told others about Jesus, who told others about Jesus, who told others about Jesus. And we're sitting here in Asheville, North Carolina, because people made disciple-making disciples. That's our mission here at Fellowship. That's really any church's mission, right, is to make disciple-making disciples. But the question is, how do we do that here at Fellowship? How do we go about making disciple-making disciples And this is what we do. We create a gospel-centered community. That's our goal. We want the gospel to be the center of everything we do. The fact that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead to pay the penalty for your sins so that you can have a good and right relationship with God is the core of everything we do. It's the core of children's ministry. It's the core of the middle school ministry, high school ministry. It's the core of this. I'm gonna introduce you to the gospel every single Sunday when we gather together in this large community gathering called the church. I'm going to do that every single week, but we're also going to do that in circles. Because part of creating a gospel-centered community is creating a space where everybody can be known. And, and, And what's crazy is we're already a size of a church where you can come and attend and not be known if you don't want to. You can, you can sit in the back Not hating on the back row seaters, not at all. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to hide, you could. You could come in, you could leave. No one would know your name. You just don't make eye contact with people because those greeters are on you. They see you, right? But you don't make eye contact and they won't say anything. But you could be unknown. But to create a gospel-centered community, people need to be known. And so we have circles. We have growth groups and focus groups. We have uh, sermon response groups. Even the children's ministry, they have a large group teaching, and then they break up into small groups because everybody needs to be known. And what's interesting is, is, is in both places, the, the, whether you gather here on Sunday or, or, or circles during the week, in both places, that same gospel is the grid that we once just through, and it works because here's what I hear from people that are outside the faith, and they start coming to fellowship. And, and I just heard this um, a few weeks ago. Uh, a woman came up to me, and she said, you know, all of my life, I, I've heard that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Uh, to pay the penalty of my sin. And she said, in all my life, I believe that that was true. She said, but now, I believe that it's true for me. And somehow, in, in the past few weeks, she's become a Jesus follower because she's realized it wasn't just true for, for everybody. That's true, but it was true for me. And even for those of you who have been in church for a long time, when we talk about the gospel and we look through scriptures at the gospel, what I hear from you, those of you who have been in church for a long time, how I know the gospel's doing what only the gospel can do is I hear things like this. Like, I've always known that God loved me, but now I know that he likes me. That's the gospel. That's what happens when you're known, when you're known by God, when you're known by others, when you're walking shoulder to shoulder through life with people that know you and pray for you, that's the gospel. 
And so we want to create a gospel-centered community, but we want that gospel-centered community to do something. We want to create a gospel-centered community that nurtures transformation. And here's what that means. That means your change is our success. Spiritual growth is measured best in years, not days, right? Because someday you may feel on top of the world and someday you may feel like the world is on top of you. And so days aren't the best measure of your spiritual growth, but years are. And when you look at where you were last year compared to where you are uh, today, we hope that you have more faith in Jesus, more trust in his plan for you, that you're walking with him more consistently than you were a year ago. And I'm gonna tell you some ways, some stories of how that has played out here. I think about Matt King, um, who's an engineer by trade, which means he likes to fix things. If A plus B doesn't equal C, then there's a problem. And it's a problem that needs to get fixed. And so he loves to fix cars too. And so what he's done is he's created a car care ministry. He stepped beyond himself and pulled a whole slew of other people in for for widows and single moms to be able to have their oil changed and to be able to have some light work done on their car free of charge. And that's transformation. It's stepping out of who we are. Um, I think about uh, a a couple, um, Bill and Nancy Severe. Um, Bill and Nancy were here before we were here. Um, This church belonged to a a church called New Beginnings. And uh, they had about 20 or 30 people here. And and if if you've been with us for a while, you know where there was a season where we knew we had to find some space to meet. And we had no idea where that was going to be. And we kept praying and kept looking. uh, And God opened the door because this church here, New Beginnings, was asking the question, God, it's not what we want. It's what you want. So God, tell us what do you want? And somehow, by the grace of God, we got mixed in with that. And they started hearing from the Lord that he wanted them to give this building and property to us. Now that meant a lot of change for them. I think of Nancy Severe in particular because she is a third generation person at this church. Her her great-grandfather, helped build the building that's not even here anymore. She gave that to us. That's heavy. Bill, severe, uh, part of us coming in here uh, and doing things, we knew we were gonna launch a, a marriage ministry on Wednesday nights, and um, or we were pretty sure it's gonna be on Wednesday nights, and Wednesday nights here uh, used to be supper and Bible study. Wednesday night, potluck and Bible study. And we knew that that couldn't continue if we were going to do a marriage ministry because there just wasn't enough room in the building for that. And so we talked to the originals, that's what we call them, uh, the New Beginnings folks, the OGs, if you're hip, um, um, which I'm not. But um, uh, we, we started having conversations about that. And, and instead of getting huffy and puffy and gruffy about what, what isn't going to change and what is going to change, What's amazing is I got to see this group of people walk through transformation. And so now what Bill Severe does is instead of coming together for a potluck on Wednesday nights and gathering with the folks that he's gathered with forever, he's at the, he's at the fire station in Fairview leading a Bible study there for the firefighters there on Wednesday nights. That's transformation. I think about um, one family uh, who uh, will remain unnamed 
um, because I've seen them go through an incredibly awful 2017. Job loss, finding a job, but that job not paying any money, um, walking through an awful 2017. And I got to see them walk through it with this growing faith and trust in God that wasn't there in 2016. That's transformation. And even though their bank account was empty and their life was in a place they never thought their life would be, they kept saying, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And they believed it. That's transformation. I think about Eddie and Eva starting Reengage, which is a, a, marriage, uh, a marriage ministry for people whose, whose, whose marriages need uh, like to reconnect, uh, to reignite, or to resurrect. And we did a pilot group. Eddie and Eva led a pilot group last semester and then this semester did it again and opened it up to 20 couples and it filled up in 36 hours. So there's a need. And that was a big step for Eddie and Eva to take that, to, to, to take on this marriage ministry. That's transformation. You see, our greatest transformation happens when people find their gifting and people find a place for that gifting. The greatest transformation happens when you, our most valuable resource, realizes that you're needed. That to come in and sit down and then leave is not only doing you a disservice, it's doing the church a disservice. Because people want to be known and people want to be needed. And our role as leaders and staff here at Fellowship is to nurture this. And we believe circles is one way to do that. In a circle, when you're in a group of people with, with, with people who know your name and, and y'all are living life together and praying for one another and knowing what's going on in your day and studying God's word together, you realize that there, there's a place that you're needed. You've got people who need you to pray for them, who need you to know them. And so that's why we have growth groups and focus groups and opportunities for people to gather together in those circles. But we believe everyone really does need to be known and needed. And as the church gets larger, this becomes more and more difficult. Now, if you remember last year when we had the state of the church, um, I said, um, you know, we were celebrating the fact that New Beginnings had said yes and that we have a location that God had answered that prayer and we showed everybody a map and we showed you how we had drawn a circle around the Y and asked God to, to, to keep us within three miles of the Y and how this space literally hits that line. Like it is right there at three miles away from the Y. And we were praising God for that. And then I said something too that this is what I think uh, as, as we've gathered together as elders and prayed, this is what we believe the next era of fellowship is gonna be. He's answered this prayer and now we feel like he's moving us into what at that point I called a church planting era. I didn't know what it was gonna look like. I didn't know what the next step was. I just knew that was the path that God was putting us on. And so as the elders have continued to pray, we, what we've realized is that part of our role here at Fellowship to make disciple-making disciples, to create a gospel-centered community that nurtures transformation, to, to have a space where everyone in, is known and needed is to keep church smaller. Now, there's a couple of ways we can do that. One, I can preach horrible messages. That'll keep church smaller. Um, actually, I do sometimes, and you still come, so that's fun. Um, uh, we, could, we could stop doing stuff that we know nurtures spiritual growth, but that's not what God has called us to do. 
So the question is, how do we keep church smaller where everyone is known and needed and yet still create a space where the most valuable resource you can come through the doors and find a place of transformation? Well, we've discerned that what we said a year ago is still true, that a church plant helps people be known and needed. Everyone can have a place of calling and growth and impact. And so what we've done for the past 12 months, the elders and key leaders of fellowship have been praying about what does this look like? What is that next step? And, and for 12 months, we've been asking God. We even had an elders retreat where uh, we, we, we felt from the Lord at this retreat, we're going to leave this retreat and know what the next step is and know where the next church plant's going to be. And so, so we gathered together for a weekend, and we had a great time. It helps that it was a lake house, like literally right on the lake with a jet ski. Um, so that was fun. Uh, we had some wonderful time of prayer together. And, and, and these men, we've got seven elders here, and, and, and these men are imperfect, just like all of us are. They're godly men, though, and they seek God's wisdom. They seek godly people's counsel. And so none of us were flying blind into this weekend. And, and we looked at data. We looked at where you are most valuable resource. We looked at where you live. You looked at where your small groups are. We looked at where your kids go to school. We looked at all that data. And it came time to have the conversation. God, where? Where do we plant a church? And, and it was an open map. And the conversation, I think, by the grace of God, took about three minutes, right? It was, God, do you want us to go south? No. God, do you want us to go west? No. Do you want us to go east? You're already east. No. So north. You want us to go north? Yep, that's where I want you to go. And the conversation literally went that fast, which was com confirmation for all of us that God is in this. Not one elder was like, mm, I feel God saying something else. We were all in agreement. And so we believe the next step for Fellowship Asheville is this, is Fellowship Weaverville. And so what that means, um, we'll talk about in just a minute. But first, Nick is going to come up um, and give you a few stats and, and a little bit about what the implications of this are. All right, real quick, uh, let me back up our timetable to not last fall, but the previous fall from that. Um, so what we were doing at that time is we began to pray about what, what we were supposed to do next after that. And there were two things that kept coming up. One was a location. Why? downtown was a great fit for us for a very long time, but we had been, they had contacted us about renovating and we weren't gonna be able to meet there while they renovated. And if you didn't go there last year while they went renovating, it would have been impossible for us to be there. So we started to anticipate this, um, which, was, which was a cost that was gonna come with a new location. And if you've looked for houses in Asheville or property in Asheville, um, that's hard for like a personal house. If you look for a company or a business or a church, it's even tougher. And so we looked at 40, 50 places. Um, the competition is steep, therefore the price is also steep. And basically what we, were, what we had come to realize was it was not gonna happen. And so, but that was one of those expenses we anticipated. And then we started talking like church plant. And if you've never worked with a church plant before, ever done that, it costs money 
is just the bottom line. So what I wanted to do is look back last year's finances just real quick. Um, we're going to run through them. If you have more questions after, you can always contact me. There will be those of you who don't care about this stuff at all. You just like, just tell me, is it good or is it bad? I'll tell you that in just a second. But real quick, last year, um, our projected tithes and offerings, this is what you give to the church, projected, budgeted for, was $513,000. Okay? So that's what we had planned for you to give. You gave instead about $590,000. So if you're not good at math, that's good. That means you gave way more than we thought you were going to, than we projected you were going to. The church grew about 33% last year, which helps with that. But your gifts of tithes and offerings increased as well. So that is an incredible thing. Next one, we do, we do have outside contributions here, outside people who do contribute to the church. We have people who have just heard of us, never even walked through our doors, who continue to give substantial offerings and gifts to our church. So we do continue to plan for those and budget for those. We plan about 606000 to come in for that, and instead it was $890,000. So once again, not good at math. That's a really, really good thing that we exceeded by that much. Um, I want to tell you what a rare thing that is to have happen in a nonprofit, but especially a church. Most of the time in the fall, as the budget year begins to wind down, the staff at a nonprofit or a church like ours has to get together because your, or the, the expenses are exceeding what's come in. And it's just one of those things that just has to happen on a regular basis, and so you meet and talk what has to be cut. Well, we haven't had to have that conversation now for a few different years. And, and the fact that you guys just give faithfully out of what God gives you first is just incredible. And it's such a rare thing that I get to stand up here and say, guys, our finances are really, really good right now. Most churches are having this opposite conversation, and I'm not dogging those churches out. I'm just saying what a privilege it is that I get to come up here and just say thank you to you all. And you get to be in this place where God has been good to us and, and, and now we're in a position to really do things moving forward. So I know it's always weird to give yourselves a round of applause, but I really do want to just tell God thank you because of what he's done. Let's do that right now. Just thank God for being so gracious to us. And like really, it's just incredible. Like, like it's just incredible that we get to do this. So, so now before we go in big picture, we do have expenses to look at real quick. So expenses last year budgeted about six hundred thousand dollars. We plan to spend. We spent seven hundred sixty-five thousand. So that means we spent a lot more than we thought we were going to. There's two factors for that, just to explain this. One was this location we didn't budget for at all. In fact, when we planned it the previous fall, this building wasn't even an idea. So that came with some additional costs. And then back in August, September-ish, we brought on additional staff to prepare us with our launching of a new campus. And so those are those two expenses that we had planned for. But in case you want the bottom line, so if you've just tuned me out for the last few minutes, the bottom line, last year we had a net of about $124,000. That's excess. That's extra. That went into the bank. 
So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? So 64% of what you give to the church is to our staff. It's payroll, which is insurance, retirement, paychecks, and all that stuff. 64%. 14% is just our programs, our fellowship kids, our service opportunities in the community, all the growth groups, all the other things we do, 14%. 11% is this location, utilities, and things like that. Doesn't count with improvements. And then another 11% goes to random places. We do give away a substantial amount to the community. We do have some operational costs here that don't fall into the other things. But that's been one of those things, and I forgot to mention this first service, but I'll mention it now. Our goal is to give away of our income about 10% to the community, which we did last year. We came very, very close to that. And so that's one of those things we want to keep doing. Um, So rather than stand up here and list off our next five projects, which I'm actually going to do, we we don't have plans to do like a capital campaign or be like, you can give to these five funds. Essentially, what I want to ask you to do is keep trusting God to give to you and you give to the church. But here's what we want to do with those gifts of tithes and offerings. One is this building is notoriously terrible about temperature control. You're hot today. You might have frozen to death last week. And I'm telling you, we're doing the best we can, but the system is so antiquated and old, it needs to be replaced. So we just spent $110,000 to put this room has heating and air, or will have heating and air, then all the way upstairs here for our Fellowship Kids Junior area, very important area that was not climate controlled at all in the past, and so we paid for that to be done the youth room downstairs and the fourth grade room also will be done with that. So that costs about 110 to do the whole building. It'd be an additional 50. And I really wish it'd be like, we're going to revamp the front of the building or we're going to do a new paint job on the building or something. But you got to have heating in there first. And so that's, that's been done. Um, we would like to renovate spaces. So begin to renovate this space, begin to renovate some of these rooms right here where younger, youngers are younger children are. That'd be one of those things. But then the other one is the church plant campus will be about $140,000, $150,000. So that's one of those things that's coming up. So telling you, I was going to say, we're coming into this strong, but we're going into a year and seasons where we just have to keep trusting him, just like we've always done. And that's a great place to be. And um, of course, we're doing All of this, not for our own comfort, but to reach the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, church, um, that that you've done all these great things, that you've let God work through you, that, that you've been faithful as he's been faithful to you. And so I just thank you so much. So that's exciting, though, isn't it? I mean, we're coming into this in a position um, that is exciting for us to do. Um, So... Here's a question that you might be asking is, what is your role in this? What does this mean for you, our most valuable resource, as we do a church plant, as we try and keep church small so everyone can be known and needed? Well, I've got a few things for you to consider. All of them I need you to pray about. Um, and I'm going to talk about a prayer card that you're going to be able to pick up on the way out. But, but I want to introduce you to two terms that you're going to hear uh, thrown around a lot for a while. And it's SWAT and SWAP. All right, because we're looking for two teams, a SWAT team and a SWAP team. 
All right, and here's what those words mean, right? A SWAT team, the S uh, means specialized, all right? Um, We're asking God to give us 100 people to help start this church, Fellowship Weaverville. And, and we know that this church isn't going to just reach Weaverville. Our prayer is that if you take wherever it is we end up in Weaverville and draw a 20-minute 20, a 20 drive radius around it, that you will hit Madison County. You'll, you'll hit a bunch of areas where people can be drawn to this. That may not be. We had a couple that were here this morning in the first service that drove 45 minutes to get here from North Asheville. They were thrilled that there's going to be a fellowship church closer to them. And, and, you, and you're also might be wondering, is it going to be a church plant or is it going to be a satellite church? Uh, the answer to that is yes. As Nick, Nick has coined the phrase, we are, we are planting a campus, right? Which means we want a similar experiences at both places. We want children's ministry to be the same. We want middle school ministry to be the same. Worship will be the same song set. But what's different than that in a satellite campus is that they'll each have their own pastor. We'll be teaching the same message Of course, he'll be using his illustrations. I'll be using my illustrations. We'll be working through the same book of the Bible at the same pace. And so whether you come here or whether you go there, you're going to get a similar experience. All right? And so what that means is, is the S, specialized, your role is important. And we want you to know why you're part of this team. You're going to be on the greeting team, the worship team. We want you to know why you're there. Uh, That's the S. The W for both teams is willing. Do you feel called to do this? Is God asking you to do this? Which means there'll be some of you that live on the south side of town that you feel God calling you to be a part of this church in North Asheville. It also means there'll be some of you on the north side of town that don't feel God calling you to be a part of it, and you're still going to be coming here. And that's okay. We want to know who God is, is drawing to be a part of Fellowship Weaverville. So you've got specialized, you've got willing, and then you've got able. All right? Are you, do you have the spiritual maturity to be part of a core launch team? It's a valid question. And there'll be an interview process for this core team so they know what they're signing up for. And we know who they are that's signing up for this. And then the difference between the SWAT team and the SWAT team is a T or a P. And what that means is temporary or permanent. Some of you might feel called to be a part of it for a six-month season, for a year, and then come back here. And some of you are saying, nope, I am in it to win it at Fellowship Weaverville. And I am there permanently. So we have a SWAT team and we have a SWAT team. And what I ask all of you to do is to pray about it. And in about six to eight weeks, uh, we'll ask who officially wants to join these SWAT or SWAT teams. So you've got some time to do this. And just so you know, too, when we talk about doing a church plant in Fellowship Weaverville, we're looking at January of 2019. So we've got 11 months. This isn't next week, all right? It's about 11 months away, and here's why we need that time. Um, On your way out, there'll be prayer cards. No matter which door you go out, there'll be a greeter there with a stack of cards, and I want you to take that card and put it on your mirror. I want you to take it and put it in your car, put it on a magnet on your refrigerator, put it wherever you need it so that you can remember to pray because there's some big questions that we're inviting you into the question with us for God to provide. One of those is who's gonna pastor this thing? We, we don't have that person yet. Where is this place gonna meet? We don't have, we literally need God to open a door somewhere in Weaverville for this church to meet. 
Um, there's how are we going to pay for this? As Nick said, we're in a great position financially. At least we were until we spent it on heating and air. All right? We are in a place where we still need God to show up. And that's the history of fellowship. We're always in a place where we need God to show up, which may lead to the next question. The next question you may be asking is, are we ready for this as a church? The answer to that is no, we're not. In my story of faith, and maybe yours too, God has never pointed me to the next step that I was ready for. If I waited until I was ready to get married or have kids, I would still be a bachelor. Right? We're never ready for the step that God calls us to, and yet he gets us ready when it's time to take it. And we take it by faith. And that's why as a church, we need all of us praying together for this. So on your way out, grab that prayer card. But what I'm going to ask us to do is I'm going to ask us to pray right now for God to do what only God can do as we take as a church this next step of faith, which means this Fellowship Weaverville is, is a grid that everything runs through. Like Nick said, this building isn't going to get a big overhaul unless somebody drops a lot of money on us. And then, well, that's a great problem, isn't it? But chances are he won't. And so we have to, we have to discern where every dollar goes and to what it goes to. And we need y'all to join us in prayer. And so because this is kind of a big deal, y'all, here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. I need everybody to stand up. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray together. And and we're gonna take a a, a, um, position of prayer that's like this, with your arms out and your hands up. And here's why I want you to do this. this. This pose for prayer shows that you are willing to receive what God gives and you're willing to give up what needs to be given up to receive that, all right? And so when I start praying, let's just all reach out to God and receive what he's giving and give up what we need to. So let's close our eyes and let's pray. Jesus, um, you are the head of this church and we discern, we feel um, as best we can know, you are leading us to take this step of faith called Fellowship Weaverville and to do something that, that um, is big and to do something that is scary. Um, but God, you will get the glory for this. And so, Father, we receive that from you. And with hands open, uh, we declare that we will also give up whatever it is we need to give up so that we can follow you. Whether it's um, hiding, whether it's our own spiritual immaturity, whether it's, it's things that we're holding on to that, that you know we don't need to hold on to, God, we declare right now we will let that go with open hands. And Father, I pray um, that you will continue to lead us. And as you do, you will show yourself to be the God you are, to be faithful and good and patient and merciful and kind. And Lord, that you will get the glory for this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.